0: Only then, that which is nameless, comes into being.
1: This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is loneliness. Upcoming themes are nature and the environment, negation knowledge. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please see our official YouTube channel for hundreds of video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's talks and shorter extracts. We are a non-profit charity and rely on your support to continue to preserve and make Krishnamurti's work available. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This week's episode has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Sarnan, 1971, titled, We Isolate Ourselves.
0: We were talking about loneliness. And I think it's important to understand the whole business of it. I think most of us realise that we are, when we dare face it, terribly lonely, isolated human beings. And if we are consciously or unconsciously Aware of it, we want to escape from it because we don't know what is behind it, what lies through it and beyond it. And being frightened, we run away from it through attachment, through activity, through every form of religious or worldly entertainment. I think this is fairly obvious when one observes this in oneself. We are, by our very everyday activity, By our attitudes and way of thinking, we isolate ourselves. Though we may have intimate relationship, we are always working, thinking about ourselves. And the, and the result of it is, if you can examine it as we shall presently, much more isolation, loneliness, greater dependency on outward things, greater attachment, and the subsequent suffering from it. I do not know. If you are aware of all this at all, and perhaps this morning as we are sitting here for an hour or more, we could become aware, if you will, of this thing called loneliness, Isolation in our relationships, attachment, dependency and suffering. This is what is going on all the time, if one is observant, in our souls. Our activity is self-centred, we are thinking about ourselves endlessly, how healthy we are or unhealthy, that we must meditate, sit rightly, that we must make progress, we must change, we must have a better job, more money, better relationship, me and my… you follow? the eternal circle, a vicious circle that is going on all the time, me sitting next to God – on the right-hand side, of course – and me attaining enlightenment – I must achieve in this life something or other. We are always concerned and devoted to ourselves, and again that is an obvious daily fact. And from that concern our activities, whether we go to the office, factory, whatever activity we do, social concerned with the welfare of the world, is always me and the world. This self-concern does produce through its daily occupation, <coughs> daily travail, daily relationship, an isolating process. I think this again is fairly obvious. And this isolation ends up, if one goes into it pretty deeply and thoroughly, in th- into an awareness of loneliness. Being completely alone, isolated, not having any relationship with anything, though you may be in a crowd, or sitting next to your friend, suddenly it comes upon you, this sense of isolation, this sense of completely being cut off from all relationship. I do not know if you have not noticed it, haven't you? Or is this something of which you have no knowledge of? If you are aware of it and becoming aware of it, being knowing it, it's there, we try to escape from it. Don't we? Occupation, nagging, thinking about meditation as an escape. And all this doesn't it indicate that the mind, whatever it is, sallow or deep or superficial or merely caught in technological knowledge, the mind being occupied with itself all the time must cut itself off from every form of relationship. And relationship is the most important thing in life. Because if we have not right relationship with one – please listen to this – If we have not right relationship with the one, you cannot possibly have right relationship with any other human being. You can imagine you will have better relationship with another, but it's just a verbal, imaginative relationship. But if you understand what relationship is – relationship between… To human beings and therefore with the rest of the world, then isolation, loneliness with all its suffering has quite a different meaning.
1: The second extract is from the fourth talk in Sanan, 1982, titled What is the cause of loneliness?
0: I am lonely, which is a terrible fear and anxiety and ache. And the effect of that loneliness, of that, is isolation, more and more isolation the cause of loneliness, if one can discover it, that the very ending of the cause is the ending of loneliness. Right? Because I have discovered the cause. I have discovered that I have tuberculosis and it can be cured modern medicines that can cure it. So one must discover the cause of this sense of separateness so, which brings about such deep isolation, which, call, which is called loneliness. Right? Please, go into this. What is it to be lonely? in that feeling of loneliness, which is deep isolation from all outward and inward relationship, what is the cause of that? The sense of being utterly, Without any relationship to anything, you all know this. Perhaps you may be married, you may have children, you may have lots of friend, position, and all the rest of it. But there is this deep element, seed in man that is so desperately alone, alone. is what is the cause of it the explanation by the speaker is not the fact explanations are never the fact descriptions are never the real the word is not the thing. So don't please do not be carried away by the word, by the description or by the explanation. It is like looking at the movement of a river in a picture, in a painting, which is entirely different from the actual beauty, of a river that is in full flow. So we are asking the cause of it. How does one look at this question? How does one enquire into this question. Do you exercise thought to inquire? Please understand. Do you use do is thought the instrument of inquiry into such a problem? Thought being, as we went into it the other day, is limited because it's Outcome of knowledge, which is limited, and knowledge can never be complete about anything. So, thought is always limited. Now, do you, do we, inquire into this question by the exercise of thought? If you exercise thought, obviously thought being limited in itself, fragmented in itself, can only discover the fragmentary causes, not the actual cause. You follow? Right? So, if one does not exercise thought, then what is there? Other another instrument? We are used to this one single instrument. That's our condition. That's our education. And that's the only instrument we have. And we discover that instrument is not, cannot, and un- delve into something much more profound. Right? Be sure, be absolutely clear on this point. Man, through fear, uncertainty, confusion, isolation, thought has created an idea called God, invented it. God certainly has not created us. If He has, we will be. Extraordinary human beings. We are not. The cause of this inventionism wants one's fear, wants hope. That's the cause of this effect. So if one has if one is inquiring into something that demands not the instrument of thought. Then what what is the instrument? You understand my question is clear, is it not? You are putting this question not the speaker only. Therefore it's your question and you have to answer it. Thought is not the instrument. Then we are asking: Is the other instrument, if there, if it exists, is it the invention of thought, which may be unconscious? You follow? I, I know thought cannot examine the whole universe. The extraordinary order of the universe, and thought cannot examine it, because thought itself is limited. So, when I say thought is limited and cannot possibly examine that which is limitless, then I'm asking. Is there a way of observation which is not the instrument of thought? Can I observe, observe this problem of deep loneliness, this sense of total isolation? with all its consequences. Where there is isolation, there must be conflict. Where there is isolation, there must be various forms of antagonism, hatred, inevitably leading to war. So, what is the instrument which is not thought, which is not unconsciously invented by thought, and say, yes, that is it. So one must be very clear. That is not the activity of the of remembrance. Right? Which is thought. Are we meeting each other's? So we have to go into the question of observation. That may be the instrument. We are not saying that is the instrument. But then it becomes dogmatic, and perhaps you'll accept it. Then it has no meaning. But to inquire, which is only possible when you use, when one sees for oneself. Thought is limited, utterly. And that thought is not your thought or my thought. Thought, under all circumstances, always is limited. Then only you can put the other question Is there another instrument? which is not put together by thought. You understand? Only when you have seen the reality, the truth, that thought is limited, then you can go to something else. But if you are confused, then you will be playing a game. Is it clear? If we are clear on this point, then what is observation? Is there an observation? Without the word without association, which is remembrance, which is the chain of remember of incidents, remembrances and activity, chain of it. Is there an observation without the past? Is that possible? You understand? Is it possible to observe the whole world as it is, not from any bias, not from the point of view of an American, British, Russian, an idealist, a terrorist, which are all a bias, whether it is historical bias or bias brought about through reason, it is still a bias. Can one observe this world, this society around us And therefore, myself, which is my loneliness, is there an observation without the past? The past being the word, the past being the accumulated memory of experience, which is knowledge, is that possible? To look as though you are looking at the world around us, the society, for the first time, afresh. Surely, it is possible, isn't it? To look at the speaker, I'm taking that as an example, without all the reputation, all that nonsense. To look not at the figure, not at the form, but what he's saying. Which means you have to listen. To listen not only with the sensual ear, but the inward ear. To see whether it’s false or true. So it, this listening requires attention. not translate what you hear to please yourself or to to accommodate it to the past memories, but to listen so. Without any single movement of thought to listen. When you listen to sound like music, it is a sound. Can you listen to that sound without naming? who wrote it, who composed it, just to listen. There is a great beauty in that listening, without any form of association. That means you are listening to it for the first time. Or, when you go to Greece and see the Parthenon, for the first time, it has an extraordinary significance. You want to kneel to it. The beauty, the color against the sky, the whole immense effort of the Grecian civilization. So in the same way, can we look at this problem without the word, without the association, without any form of relationship? Can I look at this myself, which is lonely, not there is loneliness and i and i feel it all loneliness is me i have brought about this loneliness by self centered activity by pursuing my own desires and ambitions greed and all the rest of it so So, the outward activity of isolation and the inward activity of separateness has brought about this. Right? That is the cause. Can I observe the cause? Is there an ob- not I. Is there an observation of the cause without wanting to transform it, change it? Understand? Just to observe it, as you would observe the flow of that river. You cannot change the, the, the depth of that water, the purity of that water the swiftness of that water. So, can you observe the cause? The cause being the whole way of our life. If you can so observe it, that very observation, which is the ending of the cause and therefore the effect which is loneliness is gone. And this is not just words, you have to work at it, look at it.
1: The third extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1976. Titled Loneliness and Death.
0: And we I think the me is permanent. Right? The me identified with with the with the house. The house is permanent, semi permanent. So through What it thinks is permanent, it has made itself permanent. You understand? So that has become our greatest illusion, that I am permanent. When you look at that I, it is put together by thought, and thought is a material process. Until you see that deeply, you're always frightened of death. But if you see that the "me" is totally impermanent, because thought is impermanent. And that which thought put together, puts together is impermanent, then there is no fear. Of lose of ending, because it is thought that says, "I will continue." But thought itself knows that it is also an end. So the ending is not only a new beginning, but it is that movement which is not of time, in which there is no beginning and no ending. But the question arises, how is it that there are manifestations from that stream? You understand? Are you interested in all this? You understand my question? That stream, which is our million years of human sorrow and anxiety, fear and despair, hope and all the rest of it, that stream is always manifesting itself, isn't it? Which is you. No? You understand what I'm saying? Having manifested itself as you, then you are born in a family, you have a brother, you have a wife. The brother, the son, the wife dies, and you are left alone. You are left lonely. Mm? That is, you have separated yourself from the stream, thinking you are different from the stream, and therefore feel completely isolated when death takes place. Are you understand all this? Haven't you? I am sure, unfortunately, with each human being there have been death, the loss of someone whom you think you love. The love is that attachment, that image, that pleasure, that is that. And when you lose that person in death, the organic death, You are left alone. You are not only crying for that one, for that person who is lost, but also you are crying for yourself. Self-pity, loneliness, isolation. Left alone to do all the things which the other one helped you to do. And you are left. And you shed, one shed tears, or one goes to seances, or one believes in meeting them in heaven, or meeting them in next life, the reincarnation, and so on. So, all that is avoiding the observation of the sense of loneliness. you understand? – the sense of complete isolation. The more you move away from that isolation, that is, avoid it, run away, escape, the stronger that thing grows. But when there is total observation of that, that loneliness, then you will see that loneliness transforms itself completely. So there is this, not only the losing of someone, but also the incapacity to beat what actually one is. And so one becomes, one goes through depressions, sorrows, misery, moods, bitterness – you follow? – all that, which is part of the human stream, you are caught again in it. You understand what I am saying? So when when you see an attachment in yourself, end it immediately. That is to die instantly to that. You understand? It's easy to die to something that's painful, but it's extremely unpleasant to die something that is that you like, that you are attached to. But when you see this thing, how? how extraordinarily important it is that time must have a stop that death has an extraordinary meaning it is not mis- but it is it has a n- most significant meaning which means the ending every day of everything that human beings have put together Then you will see for yourself. Not you won't see for yourself, then there is a totally different thing altogether.
1: The fourth extract is from the second talk in Ohio, 1973, titled Observing Loneliness.
0: What is loneliness? Most of us know that feeling of being completely isolated. Though you may be with your friends, in a group, or with your family, you feel completely cut off isolated, and that isolation, that loneliness is rather painful. And being aware of that pain we either escape from it, or try to cover it up, or rationalise it. But at the end of it, the loneliness still remains. Then what is one to do with it? What is this sense of loneliness? Is it the result of our daily life, which is so self centered, so egocentric, so selfish, which is all the time isolating, building a wall around oneself, and that brings about this quality or this feeling of utter loneliness, utter despair in that loneliness. Now, if you do not escape from it – and I mean not escape – you can escape by verbalising about it, You can escape by analyzing about why it is there. You can escape by going or taking a drink or going to church or turning on the television dozen ways. They're all more or less the same. But if you don't escape and you see the absurdity of escaping, the fact that running away from it is part of that loneliness then you have the energy to face that loneliness. Because we are wasting that energy through escape, verbal escape or actual escape. So, when you realise the absurdity, the, the, the silliness of it, then you, have, you are facing that loneliness. Now, please follow this a little bit. When you look at that loneliness, are you looking at it as an observer different from that which you call lonely? You understand, sir? Are you looking at it as an outsider looking in, or the observer is the observed? When you say, I'm angry, is anger different from you? Obviously not. You are anger. So when you look at that loneliness, when there is no escape, but I'm actually in contact with it, then are you looking at it? as an observer looking at something outside, or the observer is the observed. Then when the observer is the observed, there is no movement of escape or rationalisation, and therefore a complete going through with that loneliness, the ending of it. Therefore it is very important to understand the relationship between the observer and the observed. Is the observer different from the observed? The observed is loneliness. Is the observer different from that thing which he is seeing? He, The observer gives the name to that which he sees as loneliness, that the observer has experienced that loneliness previously, and when the thing comes up again, he says, that is loneliness. So he is responding, the observer is responding from the previous experience and therefore separates himself from the new, whereas if he does not look at it with the eyes of the past, then the observer is the observed, then he goes beyond it.
1: The final extract this week is from Krishnamurti's 13th talk in Ojai, 1949, titled We are lonely, but never alone.
2: A lot most of us are trying to isolate ourselves in relationship. We try to possess people, we try to dominate people, which is a form of isolation, is it not? Our beliefs, our ideas a form of isolation. When we withdraw, when we renounce, it's a form of isolation, is it not? The inward pressures and outward conflicts force us protect ourselves, to enclose ourselves. That's a form of isolation, is it not? And through isolation can there be any understanding? Do I understand you if I resist you, if I enclose myself with my ideas, with my prejudices, of my criticism of you and so on, so on? I can, only under, I can understand you only when I am not isolated, when there is no barrier between us, either verbal or psychological states of moods and idiosyncrasies. But to understand, I must be alone, must not. Alone in the sense, unenclosed, uninfluenced. Most of us are put together, made up of memories, of idiosyncrasies, of prejudices, of innumerable influences. And through all that we try to understand something. How can there be understanding when we are things produced, brought together, made up, And when when there is a freedom from that, there is an aloneness, which is not an escape. On the contrary, it's the understanding of all these things that bring about an aloneness, with which you meet directly, life. If we are mass of opinion, beliefs, When we are put together we think we are an integrated being or we try to seek integration with all these burdens. Surely there can be only integration not only at the superficial level but completely right through. When there is a freedom from all these through understanding, not merely throwing them aside, but really understanding all the influences that are constantly impinging upon one, the beliefs, the memories, the idiosyncrasies and so on. Then as one begins to understand these, there is an aloneness which is not contradiction, which is not an opposite of the collective, or the individual. If you would understand something, aren't you alone? Aren't you completely integrated at that moment? Is not your attention completely given? and through withdrawal, can there be any understanding through resistance, can there be any understanding? When you renounce something, does that bring understanding? Surely understanding comes not through resistance, not through withdrawal, not through renunciation, Only when you, underst- when, there is the full sig- when you understand the full significance of a problem, then the problem disappears. You don't have to renounce it. You don't have to renounce, well, certain obvious greeds. But when you are capable of looking at it directly, without any criticism, passively aware of it, it drops away from you. And in that state of passive awareness, is there not complete attention, not as an opposite, exclusive concentration? It is not an exclusive concentration. It's an awareness in which there is no contradiction. And therefore, loneliness disappears. Most of us are lonely. Most of us are single. There is no no depth. We come to an end very quickly. And it is this loneliness that creates the withdrawals, the escapes, the covering up, and when, if we would understand that loneliness, we must discard all these coverings and be with it. It is that being is alone. Then you are uninfluenced. Then there is... You are not caught with moods. And it is essential to be alone, which most of us dread. We never go out, hardly, ever by ourselves. the radio, the magazine, the newspaper the books, all we haven't that, we are occupied with our own thoughts. The mind is never quiet. It is this quietness that is alone. That aloneness is not in, induced, it is not made, made up. When there is a lot of noise and you are silent, it is alone, is it not? You must be alone. If you are a success, then there is something obviously wrong. Whereas most of us seek success, and that's why we are never alone. We are lonely, but we are never alone. It's only when there is aloneness, then you can meet that which is true, which has no comparison. And as most of us are afraid to be alone, we build various refuges, various safety, various escapes, and give them big sounding names. They offer marvelous escapes, but they are all illusions, they have no significance. It's only when we see that they have no significance, actually not verbally, then you are alone. Then the alone can go, can really understand. Which means that we have to strip ourselves of all the past experience. memories of sensations which you have built so sedulously and regard so carefully. Surely an unconditioned mind can only understand that which is unconditioned reality. And to uncondition the mind one must face not only loneliness, but go beyond. Not hold on to memories that are crowding in. For memories are mere words. Words that have sensations. It's Only then when the mind is utterly quiet, uninfluenced then is it possible for for it to realize that which is